Welcome to Practical Christian Living. To be hopeless is lonely and cold and hard and difficult. And when I find a person who is hopeless, I find that I seek God for them fervently. Because I don't know how to, I don't know how to give hope to someone who's hopeless. Hope is the surety that eternity with Jesus awaits us. No matter what is happening here on this earth, if you belong to Christ, then there is always hope because this world is not our home, praise God. May God ignite the hope of joy inside of you that can only come from the sacrifice and precious gift of His Son, Jesus. With more out of 1 Peter verse 13, here's Robert Furrow, pastor of Calvary, Tucson. The fiery darts of the enemy. Why does he shoot fiery darts at you? What is he hoping to do accomplish by shooting fiery darts at you? If he were shooting arrows at you, we could be pretty sure he's going for the vitals. If the Bible said that the shield of faith is able to protect you from the arrows of the enemy, then we could say, look, Satan's shooting at your heart. He's shooting, he's trying to kill you. He wants to get you through the lungs. He wants to kill you. It's a vital area that is going to kill you. But it doesn't say that. It says to put out the fiery darts. If you're an archer and you have a fiery arrow, you're not aiming at people. You're aiming at, I'm going to go all the way back, like, you know, hundreds of years. You're aiming at the thatched roofs over the walls, right? You're, you're aiming at the, the wagons that are turned on their side. You just want that arrow to hit something and catch it on fire. That's all you're hoping for. And so what Satan does with you is he pulls back a little arrow and he shoots it at you into your mind. What did your wife mean by that? What did the pastor mean when he said that? Well, I'm not going back to that church anymore. The pastor said this or this or this. How many times, and maybe even right now, has your mind been caught on fire? Satan wants you to forget about it, but he shoots those little fiery darts, and I've known men who cannot get away from them. It's like their mind is consumed with a certain topic or subject. They just, their marriage is shambles in a mess because they just can't break away from the fiery darts of the enemy. It is the shield of faith that puts out the fiery darts. Gird up your mind because of who you are in Christ. All the first 12 verses of 1 Peter, because of this is true about you, then gird up your mind, the loins of your mind, Get serious. Understand the work that's supposed to be done. And be sober. And sober there doesn't mean sober as in not drunk, although I'm sure it applies. But to be sober-minded, to understand the seriousness of our call. I love that you and I have great joy. I love that even back in verse 6 of 1 Peter, it says, In this greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while, if need be, you are grieved by various trials. In this, have great joy. And he's talking about our salvation. Have great joy in your salvation. Even if you're grieved by various trials, if need be, for a while. I'm, I'm glad that, that we can have fun. I'm glad that we have joy. The Bible says to delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Man, how people miss out on what real Christianity is about. Did you get that? 
Delight yourself in the Lord, and He'll give you the desires of your heart. Jesus said in a similar manner, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, you can ask whatever you desire and it will be done for you. There's so much that God wants to do for you. So many blessings that he wants to bring you. So we are to have joy for sure. We, I, I love that we gather together here. And we have a good time. I love that we laugh and that we learn the word of God together and we can see where it applies and what it means to have a good time doing it. But also there's a seriousness to our study. There's a soberness to it. That this is important. That people's lives are on the line. And that the lives of the people that are on the line are the lives of the people that you and I know who don't know Christ. The call that we have, the purpose, because of who we are, we are to gird up the loins of our mind and be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And once again, I'm blown away at the depth of the Word of God written by Peter in this book. What depth in this, this verse? Gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace. Let's just start with the hope. Rest fully on the hope of the grace. The Bible says, now there is faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. And you can find books written about love. I've probably taught more messages on love than any other because for years, I don't do weddings anymore, but for years, I did a wedding a week, maybe a couple weddings every week for years until I was completely burned out on them and decided I ain't doing them no more. I'm done. But I gave a message on love at every one of them. There's books written on love. There's messages given on love. There's books written on faith and there's messages given on faith. But I don't know how many messages we hear on hope or how many books you can find on hope. You know what hope is? Hope is the surety of eternity. I have my hope in Christ and because of that, it affects the way I live today. If my hope was not in Jesus... If my hope was in, well, you know what? When I die, I'm just going to perish. Then I would be a better get all you can out of your life today if there's nothing beyond this life. So our hope is in Christ. We hope for the future. We hope for our future lives here. We hope for our children. We hope for our parents. We hope for eternity. All of that is our hope. And you got to have hope. A life without hope. If you're here today, and you're hopeless, it's a sad state to be in. It might be one of the worst states to be in. To be faithless is bad because eventually you will find yourself separated from God throughout all of eternity. To be loveless is bad because you are self-consumed and all you are thinking about is yourself. But to be hopeless, to believe that your future is going nowhere, that you have no one watching out for you, that you've got no one doing or working in anything in your life in the future. To be hopeless is lonely and cold and hard and difficult. And when I find a person who is hopeless, I find that I seek God for them fervently because I don't know how to give hope to someone who's hopeless. I try to talk to them. 
But if they're truly, really hopeless, then they just have that negative bent. You try to really bring them out of it. You try to tell them stories about yourself, but it just doesn't work. I think it can only be a work of God to bring them out of that hopelessness and into the hope of Christ. You and I are to live in this this hope that we've been given. But it says, gird up the loins of your mind and be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you. We rest our hope not upon our works as Christians, not upon what I'm going to do, not upon what I'm going to accomplish. Well, I'm going to go out and and preach the gospel. Well, I'm going to see a whole lot of people saved. So I rest my hope in the labor that I've done for Christ. When I get up into heaven, man, I'm going to be patted on the shoulder by him and he's going to be happy with me and he's going to give me all these rewards for what I've done for him. Somehow I think the reward system of heaven is going to work differently than that. Jesus said, if you do your work in front of men to be seen by them, then you've already received your reward. A lot of people we think are going to be greatly rewarded in heaven. They already got their reward. And there'll be somebody that nobody knows about that's up in the very front. Someone who who just sought God for people. Someone who loved people and loved God and poured out for them. We think the rewards are different. But our hope is not to be upon our our work or our labor. That's good, isn't it? Because how many of you guys are, are satisfied in all the labor that you've done for God now? If we were to rest our hope fully upon our our labor, we might go, well, I better go out and get some more work done for Jesus. Then how would we find that joy of our salvation? Because we'd just be working. But we're to rest our hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you. Grace is undeserved favor. Grace is God pouring upon you that which you don't deserve. Grace is poured upon you and poured upon me God's the one who chooses how much grace to pour upon a person. I said here recently that I love the song that we sing, that I walk in fields of grace. Grace like rain falls down on me. I love that picture of God's grace being poured from heaven and falling down upon me. God, give us your grace. Let your grace be poured down upon us because grace doesn't have anything to do with Robert Furrow or who he is or what he's done. It has everything to do with God just saying, here, son, and pouring his grace on me. The grace that God wants to give you that you are to rest your hope fully upon is not dependent on the work that you've done for him or who you are or how sinless you've been or what you've done for him. That would be rewards. Grace is going to be poured on us at the revelation of Jesus He's going to give us that grace, which is undeserved completely. And I don't rest my hope in any labor, but I rest my hope in that grace. And isn't that incredibly awesome? When we, on the day that we are changed, in the moment that Jesus is is brought in front of us and this life is done and he's wrapping things up on this earth, or if we die and go into his presence, we should run into his presence expecting the grace that will be poured upon us. For that's what it says, the rest of the verse, right? Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind and be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. When Jesus is revealed to you, you're going to have grace that's going to be poured out upon you the moment you see him. Now, there's two ways that can happen. The Bible says, 
that we will one day meet him in the air. The world doesn't understand it and mocks it. The church doesn't understand it and denies it. It's interesting that the Bible says in the last days there will be mockers of the return of Jesus. Somehow I never thought the mockers would be in the church. But within the church today, the return of Jesus is mocked. But I want you to listen to the words of Jesus in John chapter 14, verse 1. I am going away. And if I go away, I will prepare a place for you. And I will come again. And I will receive you that where I am, there you can be also. Jesus promised to come back and get you, to prepare a place for you and come back and get you. Others can deny it. Others can say, oh, that's not what he meant. But if I'm going to listen to what Jesus said or what you said, tell me, you tell me, who should I listen to? If Jesus said he's going to come back and get me and you say he ain't, who should I listen to? You say, well, it's silly that Jesus is going to return and bring people out of the earth, that two are going to be in a field and one's going to be taken and one's going to be left behind. That's not what it means. That's silly. Call it silly if you want to. It's my hope. And on that day when I see him, I'm going to get grace. Grace that is revealed to me on the day of the revelation of Jesus Christ. Well, that grace is also revealed to us when we die. Some of us here are going to die unless Jesus comes back right now or right now or right now. But if he doesn't come back in the next few months to a year, some here will go into eternity. I'll take it probably pretty safely that somebody here will not be here in a year. Sobering thought, isn't it? But when you breathe your last breath, grace like rain will be poured upon you. You will see the grace of God given to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. An absolutely amazing passage that speaks to us of the incredible truth. And so when, when we begin to talk about that we're close to the day when Jesus will come back again, you know that the Bible says that Damascus is going to be destroyed in the last days and will not be inhabited, most likely a nuclear strike. And when we see war in Syria and the city of Damascus still being one of the few cities around the world that was mentioned in the Bible and still is in existence today, and we go, huh. The Bible says that in the last days, armies are going to surround Jerusalem and we're seeing thousands of rockets being shot in from Hamas into Israel. And if you think it's Hamas getting those rockets and shooting those rockets in, then you're smoking crack. <laughs> because it's a lot of other people, including Iran and others, that are, are, are giving these missiles to them for them to be able to shoot into Israel. So I say to you, and I believe that this is true, that we are living in the last days when Israel would be a nation again. It wasn't a nation before 1948, and it is a nation now. And we are living in the last days, and it is soon that Jesus could be revealed and that there is nothing that has to take place from now, right now, until Jesus comes back again. He could come back again. There might be a war with Russia and Israel before Jesus comes back again, according to Ezekiel 37, 38, 39. But that war could happen after he comes back again as well. There's going to be a temple rebuilt in Jerusalem, and that might start, might be built before Jesus comes back again, but probably going to happen afterwards for several reasons. We'll talk about it at some other point. But if I were able to persuade you today that Jesus was going to come back, I'm not, by the way. He could come back in a couple hundred years, okay? Because the Bible says no man knows the day or the hour. And in Greek, that literally means 
No man knows the day or the hour. <laughs> so, don't let any Harold Camping tell you otherwise, all right? But if I, were able to, if I was able to persuade you that Jesus was going to come back in the month of September, because this is the Feast of the Trumpets, and that this year is the year that it's going to happen at the last trumpet of God. And we're in the fall. We're in the feast of the trumpets that's coming up. And Jesus is coming back. Here's what some of you would be doing. But, but I got tickets to the Super Bowl this year. <laughs> It'd be just like Jesus to come back when I, when I got tickets to the... They're, they're in Glendale this year. They're gonna, it's just like... It's, I, don't want, I don't want him to come back until after the Super Bowl. Do you really think you're going to miss out on anything if you can't go to the Super Bowl? Or how about getting married? Any of you guys ever think before you got married? You're, you're walking down the aisle. Me and Lisa had kept ourselves pure during our whole engagement. And a couple of days before we were getting ready to get married, things began to get kind of hot and heavy between us a little bit. <laughs> our, our kissing sessions were just getting a little bit too hot. Anyway, I remember thinking, I know Jesus is going to come back right before the wedding. <laughs> right? I just know that's what's going to happen. You have any thoughts like that now, huh? <laughs> we have been planning this vacation to Greece for how long? And Jesus is going to come back before we go. Listen, that vacation to Greece is going to have nothing compared to the grace that will be revealed to you upon the revelation of Jesus. And no matter how wonderful the marriage union is, and it is wonderful, it's created by God and created by God for you guys and for intimacy. No matter how wonderful that is, it is nothing compared to the intimacy that we will have with the living God when we enter into eternity and the grace is revealed upon us. These Christians... First century. Hmm, I was going to go all the way through 25, by the way. <laughs> Haven't even made it through one verse yet. These, uh, these Christians, they were getting ready to be persecuted greatly. You and I don't necessarily live in that persecution. Some, for some here, life is tough, it's difficult, it's hard, and you would just as much see Jesus come back right now as to continue to live. For others, your life is good and you're blessed and you're living in that blessed season and, and, and you would, you know, it's like, Lord, if you came back in 20 years, it wouldn't break my heart. You're just being honest, right? You're just saying you're just honest, just honest, that's all. God wants us to be honest with him. But to understand that there'll be none of us upon the revelation of Jesus Christ that will go bummer. You know, it's gonna go to whatever tomorrow. There'll be none, none of that will be going on. When we stand before him, we will be amazed at the awesomeness of the living God. And we will receive the grace that is given to each one of us, the grace that is brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And I can hardly wait to see that grace. I, I was trying to imagine what that grace was that he was gonna bring me at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Paul said this, behold, I tell you a mystery. We're not all gonna sleep. That's quite a mystery. That mystery, I don't think, is completely squared away now, by the way. We're all not going to die. Some are going to live. And he says that this mortal will put on immortality and this corruptible will put on incorruption, uh, incorruptibility. So that 
Yeah, the, the moment that he's revealed, for those that are alive, suddenly our bodies will be changed and we will be like Jesus. That's what the Bible says. The grace that will be poured down upon me is that I will be perfect. Not just God being perfect, but God making me perfect and God making you perfect. Grace. I'm persuaded that we could continue to talk about the grace of God that we brought to us at the revelation of Jesus and not really understand all of it, but we ought to want it. We ought to rest our hope fully upon it. And if you're going through good times now, if there's good seasons in your life and you're blessed, then enjoy it. Enjoy it and keep Christ in the center. And if your life has taken a turn for the worst, then rest your hope fully upon the grace that will be revealed to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And if you're living in good times now, you rest your hope fully upon him as well. But if your life is at the bottom, you're, you're on the rocks, not alcohol rocks, by the way, but you're on the rocks, you rest your hope fully in him. He says in verse 14, and I probably shouldn't even go there. In fact, let's not. <laughs> I'll just hurry through it and then I'll wish, and then we'll just cover it again next week. That's exactly what's going to happen. So let's read it one more time and we'll close. The whole verse, the whole passage we covered tonight. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, serious, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. May we understand that grace will be poured out upon us on the day he comes back for us or on the day we go to see him. And it's something for us to look forward to. And the closer we get to those days, the more we ought to look forward to it. Amen? Amen. All right, let's stand and pray. Father, we want to thank you so much for the grace that has been given to us. And we are so blessed by the richness of your word that speaks to us of this journey that we're on called life. That we are, we're to travel through here. We're passing through. This isn't our home. We're sightseeing, amazed at a few things. We like some things, but we're not to love this world nor the things of the world. We thank you that we have an example like Abraham who looked for a city whose foundations were built by God. And we want to pass through here. And I pray for all of those here tonight that might be struggling, struggling with their roots just going too deep here, too in love with the things of this world and not in love enough with you. Lord, thank you for this great passage to help us to understand that there is grace that will be brought to us at the revelation of Jesus. And we put our hope in that. And we set our minds upon you and pray that you'd bind the enemy, bind the, the work that he's trying to do in setting our minds on fire. Bind him as he's trying to destroy marriages here today. Bind him as he's trying to bring people back into alcohol and drugs and those things that are just destructive behavior. Bind him that you could truly set them free. You've said you've come to give us life and life more abundantly. And that we of all people are the most free. And we want to experience that freedom by the power of your spirit. And we thank you for this. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 
Thank you for joining us for Practical Christian Living with Robert Furrow. We hope that our verse-by-verse studies truly help you to see that God is real. He wants a personal relationship with you, and His Word is life-changing. If you'd like to hear more of Robert Furrow's teachings, visit calvarytucson.com. For our local listeners, we invite you to join us at one of our two campuses. Our East Campus at Speedway and Camino Seco meets Saturdays at 6 p.m. and Sundays at 9.45 a.m. Our West Campus, south of Palo Verde and I-10, meets Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 11 a.m. Our midweek service times are Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. at our East Campus and 7.15 p.m. at our West Campus. If you prefer, you can watch our service at live.calvarytucson.com and also on our Facebook page and YouTube channel. Our online campus is available during East Campus service times. If Practical Christian Living has blessed you and you'd like to donate, please visit pclaz.org. That's pclaz.org where you can make a secure one-time donation or sign on to become a monthly partner on a reoccurring basis. Have you accepted Jesus into your life or do you have questions about salvation? We'd love to hear from you. Email us at saved at calvarytucson.com and don't forget to follow us on social media, Instagram at Calvary Tucson or Facebook at Calvary Chapel Tucson. We want to remind our local listeners that you can watch Practical Christian Living TV Sunday mornings at 8.30 a.m. on KGUN 9. Thank you for joining us for Practical Christian Living.